As was mentioned in the introduction, tonight's uh, discussion is going to be on the topic of al-istiqamah, which is often translated as uh, being steadfast, being upright. Uh, sometimes the word integrity is used for istiqamah because integrity means to uh, stick to your principles. Um, and in effect, istiqama or your values, your values and your principles. And in effect, uh, this is part of istiqama, at least, is that you have a set of principles and values, beliefs, and that you stick to them. But we'll go a little bit deeper, inshallah ta'ala, into the meaning of istiqama and also, just as importantly, how do we attain al-istiqama and as a side note I think it's very important for us uh, in general that when we have concepts that we're talking about that we think of practical ways to implement them in our lives uh, otherwise a lot of times it remains to be theory without a real way of applying this to my life so hopefully by the end of tonight we'll have looked at some of the ways to really become people of istiqamah. The Prophet ﷺ was approached by one of the companions, Sufyan ibn Abdullah, عنه, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, Kulli fil Islami kawlan la as'alu anhu aw la as'alu ahadan anhu ghayrat. He said, tell me a statement, tell me something a statement in Islam that I don't have to ask anyone about it after you. And the scholars have different ways of interpreting this question, but basically it boils down to he wants it to be clear so that he doesn't need anyone else to explain this statement to him. Tell me something that's clear enough that I don't have to ask anyone after you about this statement. But I also want it to be somewhat comprehensive, something that, you know, is broad enough that when I implement it it will keep me on the path of Islam and so the Prophet said to him say I believe in Allah and then be mustaqim then have istiqamah so the first part of this hadith the Prophet says to the man, Sufyan, the companion, he says to him, say, I believe in Allah. Amentu uh, billah. We usually translate that as believe in Allah, but to be honest with you, languages come loaded. So for, for us, especially for those who are of an English-speaking background, we think about belief. What do we think of? Something that you do? I'm asking you. No, what do you think? It's conceptualized, right? Something in your heart, something that you... Doesn't really mean something that you do. But believe, but, but Iman, from the Islamic context, is not just something that you believe in your heart. That belief has to manifest itself 
on your tongue and on your limbs. Otherwise, it's not real Iman. So, Amen to Billah. When the Prophet is telling this man to say, Amen to Billah, that I believe in Allah, that I have Iman in Allah, it doesn't just mean to believe, right, as we would say, to believe in Allah without there being some outward manifestation of that belief. And this part for us is very important because before we get to istiqama, right, which is being what? Steadfast on a path, you have to know what that path is. So believe in Allah and then be, and then be mustaqim. Okay. So here the Prophet is saying, have faith in Allah. Have Iman. Say that I have Iman and Allah. Now, that means something very important for us as believers. It's people who truly believe in Allah. And that is that we submit to the commands and prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This point cannot be stressed enough before we talk about istiqamah. We have to talk about this point, which is true submission. A Muslim, one who truly believes in Allah, is one who submits. That is very important for us in this day and age because we live in an era that does not promote submission. In fact, submission is almost looked down upon. Now, if we take a step back, and for those of you who have, how many of you have children here? Not that you have children in a message, you have children. Okay. Imagine, imagine you, your, your five-year-old child and they say, I want to go outside 7.30 at night. They want to go outside and they want to ride their bike down the street. And you start to think, maybe that's not really a good idea. You, you have a whole thought process that you're going through. It's not really a good idea. It's nighttime. There might be cars coming. Maybe there's, a, there's just a lot we can't see. Somebody might snatch the child. We don't, depending on what kind of you know, neighborhood you live in. So... You know, you're, you're going through all of this process. The child is five years old. Some children at five may be able to follow your thought process, and others will not be able to follow that thought process. For them, they just want to have fun. And you are standing in the way of them having fun. Now, this is between an adult and a child. I mean, we're still talking about two human beings. And they may not be able to gather, they may not be able to follow your thought process, but you have a reason for why you are telling them, no, you can't go outside right now. Or why you're telling them to do certain things first before you're allowed to play or whatever. So you have a reason for doing this. They may not be able to follow that reasoning. And this is between two human beings. When it comes to Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain things an obligation upon us and has prohibited us from other things and we may not always know the reason why. This is important because submission as a Muslim dictates, when I say I believe in Allah, that I believe that I have a creator who created me and I believe that he sent down revelation 
then that dictates for me that I follow his commands and that I abstain from his prohibitions even if I don't fully understand them. Now, do we understand a lot about what Allah subhanahu wa has commanded us and what he has prohibited us to do? Yes, alhamdulillah. As a matter of fact, I almost can guarantee that most of you right now understand things about Islam that you may not have understood 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You go through certain stages in life and you start to understand, subhanAllah, now I know why I need to pray five times a day and not three, for example. Now I understand the wisdom of zakat. I understand why we're supposed to fast. And at some point in life, you may not have understood that, but you go through certain stages, and as you grow and as you develop and you go through your experiences, you begin to understand things that you didn't understand. Now, the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not changed, but you have. Your understanding has. And now you can appreciate these commands and you can appreciate these prohibitions in a way that you did not appreciate before. Belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dictates that we follow the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whether or not we understand it. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for us to follow those laws. Part of making it easy may be that you now understand what you didn't used to get, get before. But being a Muslim, being a Muslim, a true servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who submits, means that you will follow those commands even if you do not fully understand them. So when we say, Amentu Billah, when we truly profess our faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means that we're going to follow the commands as long as we know that in fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to do this thing or that he has prohibited us from doing this thing so we're going to stay away from it. I'm saying this at the risk of sounding like someone who doesn't believe in reason and wisdom and so forth. I'll say that at that risk because the reality is is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his infinite knowledge has prescribed certain things for us and we as human beings have to realize like Imam al-Shafi'i Rahimahullah Ta'ala said, Inna lil aqli haddan kama anna lil basari hadda. That your intellect has a limitation just like your sight has limitation. Allah has blessed us with intellect just like He has blessed us with sight. But your sight has a point where it stops. You don't see what's going on behind that wall. There's a barrier there, it stops. Your sight cannot go beyond that. We don't have x ray vision. Likewise, the aql that Allah has blessed us with to be able to understand his commands and his prohibitions, it still has a limit. And we have to accept that. Even though we live in a time where everything is pushing us beyond that, that this, this intellect, you know, the sky is the limit as they say, and you can do anything you want and so forth, and that those who restrict themselves to religion, are they're backwards, they are... Uh, not uh, evolved human beings and, and, and whatever other derogatory terms that they, they use to describe people who just want to be true servants of the one who created them and really find peace through that. 
So this is important for us. Say, I truly believe in Allah. If you truly believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as your creator and as your sustainer, as your maker, as the one who governs your affairs, the one who provides for you, if you truly believe in that and that he alone deserves your devotion, then you will find it very easy to follow his commands. And then be steadfast on that path. Yusuf he made a dua. His dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was Tawafani what? Musliman. Tawafani Musliman. Wa alhiqani bisalihin. Oh Allah, cause me to die as a Muslim. Cause me to die as a Muslim and put me in the company of the righteous. And every Jumu'ah just about, you probably hear the, the khatib say, Ya ladina amanu taqullah haqqa tuqatihi wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimun. O you who have believed, fear Allah as he ought to be feared and don't die except as Muslims. As the scholars of Tafsir have mentioned, the command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to die except as a Muslim, when you don't know when you're going to die, means that you have to what? You have to live in a state of submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to live as a Muslim. And that dua to die as a Muslim is a dua to live as well as a Muslim. So to be in that state of Islam, of true submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until one dies and that is istiqama istiqama as Ibn Rajab rahimahullah ta'ala has mentioned the other scholars of Islam it is to stay on the path of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not going right and not going left stay right on that path not going to the right and not going to the left not following your lowly desires and your passions, not allowing your mind to be altered by whatever isms are out there and whatever ideologies or philosophies are out there, that you stay on that path of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you remain on that path until death. So what I want you to picture, and this is the subhanAllah, sunnah of our Prophet wasalam, when Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he asked him to teach him a dua and he said to say Allahumma hdini wa saddidni Oh Allah guide me and saddidni which which I'll translate by way of the hadith itself so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said when you think of hidayah when you think of guidance, asking Allah for guidance, think about being on the path. So in other words, you actually should imagine that there's a path and you're on that path when you ask Allah for guidance. Don't let it be just an abstract concept. Actually think about a path. And he said, and when you, when you ask for a sadad, 
then think of the arrow hitting its target. Think of the arrow hitting its target. So in other words, you stay on that path and you get to the end of that path. Being upon istiqamah means that you have a goal for yourself. That goal is the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is to please Him, is to dawah al-Akhirah, it's the hereafter. And you imagine that there's a path and you don't want to go off to the right and the left. Istiqamah requires that from us. It requires a goal. And it requires that you remain faithful to the values and beliefs that are necessary to stay on that path. The Prophet informed us that a time will come to people where al-sabir ala dinihi kal-qabid ala al that the one who is holding fast to his religion will be like one who is holding a hot piece of coal. The reality is most of us have never tried to hold a piece of coal and I don't recommend that. But even if you try to hold anything that's hot, it's very difficult. And it doesn't have to be, it's not going to be as hot as a piece of coal. It's very difficult to hold on to that. In fact, for some people, they'll find it impossible. The Prophet said that they will come to the people at time when those who hold fast to their deen will be like those who are holding on to a hot piece of coal. And when we think about it, today, if you really believe in Islam, and you promote the beliefs of Islam, and you say there's an absolute truth. There's an absolute truth. I believe that there is an objective morality. This is what morality is. Marriage is between a man and a woman. That's what I believe. This is what Islam says. Oh, he's homophobic. He's transphobic. He's against feminism. Or whatever else they might say, just because you actually believe that there's an objective morality. That this is what Islam says. And this is what it is. And this is what I believe. So you get called names. And you're ridiculed. And you're called backwards. And because of all of that, you know what happens? You let go of the cold. It's just too hot for you. But when you let go of that cold, you know what else also happens? There's no more istiqamah. You went right or you went left. And this doesn't mean that you have to, in every situation, you have to announce, you know, publicize what your view is on everything. But it does mean that you have to remain faithful to what you believe is the truth. And inshallah, if, if you're not that strong, you know, I, I just can't say these things in public or, but okay. By staying on that path, bi'idnillah, at some point, Allah will bless you. And believe me, there are more people like you and who think like you think than you realize. But because so many people are browbeaten into following the latest trends just so that they can survive in a pluralistic society. 
Pluralism, by the way, does not dictate that we become a soup. You can be more like a salad, where you can actually distinguish between the things. Still live in some level and degree of harmony without being at war. Doesn't mean that we all have to melt. The American way, of course, is the melting pot. It's the theory. But uh, the reality is, is that for a person who is truly holding on to their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will be distinguished. You will be a bit strange. And our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Tuba lil Bada al-Islam gharibah wa sayyudu gharibah. Islam began strange and is going to go back to being strange. Glad tidings to those who are strange. And, and, and wallahi, we don't go through any of the type of oppression and troubles and difficulties like the Prophet and the companions went through in order to establish the deen. Usually the worst thing that we go through like the wor absolute worst thing, you get fired from your job. It's like the worst thing. And if people talk about you on Facebook or something like that, you can, you can handle that, inshallah. But, but the reality is, is that for this deen to have been established, people may sacrifice. Sacrifice their lives. They sacrifice their families, like their, their social status. They sacrifice everything. Their wealth. They gave all of that up so that we could be here today as worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say that I have faith in Allah and then be upright. There's a lot that uh that can be said on this particular topic. And what I like to do is go briefly over two points that Ibn al-Qayyim mentions that will help people remain steadfast or that is considered to be the path towards istiqamah. And before I get to what Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned, I want to remind myself and all of you that al-istiqamah is what we're asking for in every single salah. And beware when you ask. Fatiha is dua. So when you're saying, Ihdina as sirat al mustaqim, Ihdina as sirat al mustaqim, that sirat al mustaqim is al istiqam. So you're asking al hidayah ila al istiqam. You're asking for guidance to istiqam. But remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept dua from a heart that is inattentive and heedless. So when we pray, when we pray, we should be conscious that we are asking Allah for guidance to istiqam and not just run through Surah Al-Fatiha. Because many times that's what we wind up doing because we're trying to get salat over with. We're not trying to enjoy the salat. Even in our language. Even in our language, we kind of just say, well, let me just get salat out the way and then we can do this. And uh, that's something we need to pay attention to. So 
with Surah Al-Fatiha, we're asking for istiqamah. And uh, Shaykh al-Islam al-Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Ta'ammaltu anfa'a du'a, fa'idha huwa su'alu al-awni ala mardatihi. He said, I was thinking about what's the most beneficial du'a. You know, think, what's the most beneficial du'a? And he said, and then it dawned on me that it is asking Allah, uh, asking Allah's aid to please him. Right? And you think about the du'a that the Prophet ﷺ taught Mu'ad to say at the end of every salat. Who knows that du'a? Allahumma anni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa snibazik. Oh Allah, aid me in doing what? In remembering you and thanking you and worshipping you properly. He says, I thought about it and it dawned on me that the, the most beneficial du'a is asking Allah's aid for to please him. He said, ثُمَّ رَأَيْتُهُ فِي الْفَاتِحَةِ And then I saw it in Surah Al-Fatiha. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ اِهْدِينَ الصِّرَاطِ الْمُسْتَقِينَ So, this is the most important dua that we can make. And because it's the most important dua that we can make, Allah Azawajal made it an obligation upon us to make it. And that's just the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those things that we need most Conan, yani from, from a universal standpoint, are the things that are most available. What does every human being need the most? Yeah. Air. Is there more air or more water? Yeah. There's more air. After air, what do we need more? Water or food? Water. Is there more water or more food on earth? There's more water. It's just the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the creation. And likewise, shara'an, those things that are from a legislative standpoint, the things that we need the most are the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated upon us the most. And so therefore, that dua of surat, uh, in Surah Al-Fatiha, or Surah Al-Fatiha itself is dua, is the most important dua. It's what we need the most, and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated upon us the most. So we should be pay attention to that. And recognize... That we will only have istiqamah if Allah gives us istiqamah. And so we ask for it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the dua that the Prophet used to make the most, according to Umm Salam radiallahu ta'ala, was Ya muqallib al qulub thabbit qalbi ala deen. Oh, turn of the hearts, make my heart firm on your deen. That's istiqamah. Being firm on the deen and staying on that path, that's istiqamah. And the Prophet when he would begin his prayer at night and that night prayer is, is extremely important because we're talking about the last third of the night and dua is more likely to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would say Allahumma rabbi jibra'ila wa mika'ila wa israfil fatir as-samawati wal-ard alim al-ghaybi wa shahada anta tahkumu bayna ibadika fima kanu fihi yakhtalifu if you don't know that part of dua, that's fine. This is the part that guide me to that which has been differed over from the truth by your uh, will, with your permission. You guide whom you will to a straight path. So the Prophet is asking Allah to guide him to that straight path. 
Prophet ﷺ is asking for istiqamah. And if our Prophet ﷺ is doing this, then it is very important, likewise, that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us to that path of al-istiqamah. That being said, how do we get there? How do we get to the point where we are mustaqim? Or what, what is the path? What is the path towards al-istiqamah? This, ta'ala, is what will uh, read some of the statements of Ibn al-Qayyim ta'ala, on this particular point. I, I'd ask that you just bear with me as we work through this. But uh, it's, it's quite important. So, Ibn al-Qayyim has a very important book called Tariq al-Hijratain. And in that book he says, He's going to mention for us a fundamental principle in mentioning the path that leads to istiqamah. And he said there are two things. The first of them, the first of those things is hirasatul khawatir. If you want to be mustaqim, you want to be upright, you want to be steadfast, you want to be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you want to stay away from those things that are going to take you away from the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is, that you are cognizant of, that you guard your thoughts. That you guard your thoughts. Brothers and sisters, just again, stay with me. This is a there's very important steps that a person has to take in order to be right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, a khatir or a khatira in this context. It refers to the fleeting thoughts. So it's something that comes to, to mind and then it goes. Okay? So uh, you were riding down the street, you saw a billboard, something popped into your head, and it came up. It was a thought, it came and it left. There's something else called al azad or azima, which is that you are firmly determined to do something. Okay, so we have khawatir, which are just these thoughts that you have. And then we have azad. These are like, you're determined to do this, I have a plan, I've figured out how I want to do it. And you start taking some action towards getting that thing done. In between those, we have al-humum, hum. Does anybody know what that is? Sorry? No, okay, not not in this case. Doesn't it doesn't mean stress in this case. It can. Concerns. Okay. Either hamabishay. What does that mean? You actually, it's not a fleeting thought at this point. You have the intention to do something, but not quite an azima where you're. The, you're firmly, you know, determined to do this thing. So there's, there's these three levels. Alham is in between. The khatira is just something that came to your mind and it, it kind of goes. Azima is that I'm, I'm firm, you know, I'm going to do this thing and I, I've got a plan and 
I'm, you know, working towards it. And that hum is somewhere in the middle. So just understanding the, the, the concepts. Okay. Now, he says that the first path, the first thing that one has to do in order to travel the path of being upright and mustaqeem, hirasatul khawat. That you protect your thoughts. And that you are very conscious and that you are cautious about allowing these thoughts to just linger in your head. Now, obviously, he's talking about those thoughts that are not good. And there's nobody sitting here today that is not from the children of Adam. We're all from the children of Adam. All of us make mistakes. Every sin that we have ever committed has started out as a thought. Something came to your mind and you thought about it. And then that thought lingered there. And then it became an intention. And that intention became an azima, determination. And then you went and did something that you should not have done. That's how, that's how it all starts, with the thought. فَإِنَّ أَصْلَ الْفَسَادِ كُلِّهِ مِنْ قِبْلِهَا And that's because all corruption, every sin, always starts with a thought because these thoughts are the seeds of shaitan. He plants them in the heart. If you let it stay there, he comes and he waters it. He waters it until it grows. Understand this point. So it starts as a thought. Evil thoughts lead to evil actions if you don't get them out of your heart. All right? So, shaitan, he comes and he waters them. He comes and he waters it, he waters it again until it becomes an irada. You, know, you have the will to do this thing and then he keeps on keeps on watering it until it becomes azad. This firm resolve. And then that will eventually produce action. Goes on to say and that there's no doubt that pushing away that first thought Getting it out of your head is a lot easier than stopping once you've already, once you're already determined to do that thing. This is this is fiqh, ikhwan, by the way. Not Hanbali or Shafi'i or Hanafi fiqh. This is fiqh of your heart. Fiqh of really being a true slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, so let us understand. Okay. Alright. Now, something bad comes to my mind. It's, SubhanAllah. Sometimes it's it's the result of your own overthinking and sometimes it's just because you heard something or you saw something and it it affected you some kind of way. And so you have to realize you have to you know take the time to know yourself in the sense asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for istiqamah and realize that uh let, let me get rid of this thought before you know shaitan waters it and it becomes you know something else. So, 
That being said, Ibn al-Qayyim doesn't leave us hanging. He says, فَإِنْ قُلْتَ إِلَى حِفْظِ الْخَوَاطِرِ So if you were to ask them, what's the path towards actually protecting my thoughts? How, how, do, I, how do I do that? How do I keep myself from thinking bad things? Right? He says there are several esbab. There are several, uh, re several things that you can do. Okay. He's going to mention 10, and I'm going to mention 10 as well, but we're going to kind of go through them quickly, inshallah. And then somebody, bi'idnillah, at the end is going to summarize for us. Somebody who's paying a lot of attention. So, number one. Al-Imul Jazim Bitila Rabbi Subhanahu wa Nadrihi la Kalbika wa ilmihi bitafsili khawati. The first thing that you need to do in order to protect your thoughts is to have firm knowledge that Allah is looking at your heart and that He has detailed knowledge of your thoughts. Number one. Know that your thoughts do not escape Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't just see what you do. Allah knows what you think. He knows what's happening in your heart. Second thing is is that you have some shame, that you have some that you're shy in front of your Lord. Number three is that you revere Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your reverence of him is profound enough to the extent that you do not want him to see those thoughts in the house that he has created that is your heart in the house that he has created to know him and to love him and subhanallah subhanallah that's enough it should be honestly I mean, if, if, if we get those three things down and then we internalize them imagine brothers and sisters in Islam you take your hard earned money and you build a house you build this house, subhanAllah. And you built it so that your children would have shelter, so that they'd be able to, they wouldn't have to worry about having a roof over their heads and so forth. And then they did things in those houses that, in, the, in that house that you built for them, they did things that were foul, displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You would feel a certain kind of way because you put forth so much effort to make sure that they had the things that they need and then they used it in a way that it was unintended for. Allah He created our hearts to know Him, to love Him. And if we allow those hearts to be filled with that which is displeasing to Him, we should, we should have some degree of shame. She has some degree of shame. And this is this is what he's encouraging us with here. Rahimahullah. Al-Rabi' min al-Tilka al 
the fourth thing is that you fall from Allah's grace because of those thoughts. That you that you fear falling from His grace. That that Allah Azza wa Jal, yani, you look as as an ab, you want Allah to hold you in high esteem, if you will. But by doing these things, you fall from from the grace of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Al Khamis, itharuka lah, and you sakina qalb, and you sakina qalbaka ghayr mahabbatihi. So you are giving preference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that your heart will be occupied by other than his love. So there's, there's no room for anything else. If you fill it with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then there's no room for anything else. The sixth thing is that you fear that those evil thoughts will breed others. And that's normally the case. Like... Thoughts breathe And the fire will spread The fire of those thoughts will spread And consume the faith that is in your heart And it will consume the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Such that it may disappear without you even realizing Seventh To know that these thoughts are just like seeds that are thrown to birds to hunt them. Subhanallah. When a, when a hunter uh, wants to hunt birds and he throws out the seeds, the birds come down to eat and then they're all right there. It sets it as a trap. These thoughts are just like seeds that are thrown to birds to hunt them. They are but seeds thrown in a trap that's been laid to hunt you even though you don't realize. The eighth thing is to know that these evil thoughts cannot be combined in the same heart with the thoughts that are imani, that are faith-based. They're diametrically opposed. They don't come in the same heart except that one conquers the other. There's a fight going on between those thoughts that are based on faith and your belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your love of Him subhanahu wa ta'ala and those evil thoughts. There's going to be a fight in your chest, in your heart. One of them is going to conquer the other. They do not come into the same heart except that one conquers the other and it expels it and takes its place. So what do you think about a heart in which devilish and egotistical thoughts have conquered the Imani thoughts and expelled them and taken their place. What is this heart going to look like? Number nine. These thoughts are from the imaginary seas that have no coast. If the heart enters the depths of the sea, it will be overwhelmed by that darkness and it will drown. Yeah, these thoughts, they have no end, in other words. Once you go down that road, you will drown. You can't swim. You won't be able to go against it. You may at some point realize that you've gone down a dark path and you seek to be rescued, but it's like the drowning person that is grasping for seaweed. A heart that is owned by thoughts a heart that is owned by thoughts is far from success 
It is tortured by these thoughts, in fact. And it is totally preoccupied with unbeneficial things. The last thing that he mentions in terms of his al-khawatir, how do we protect our thoughts, is to know that these thoughts are the valley of the foolish. They are the wishes of the ignorant people which produce nothing except for regret and disgrace. And so, it's critical, brothers and sisters, that a person who wants to be mustaqim, he really or she really wants to travel a path that is pleasing to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the first step is to protect what you think about. It's the first step. The second step, and the last step that Ibn Al-Qayyim mentions, is a little bit more involved, and it's already 9 o'clock, right? I'll summarize it. I'll summarize it. So the first one is what? Protect your thoughts. How are you going to protect your thoughts? Ibn Al-Qayyim mentioned 10 things. You might not remember 10 things. How are you going to protect your thoughts? I'm, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm asking you, how are you going to, I can't. Knowing that Allah is looking at us. Knowing that Allah is looking at us. Go a little further. That he's looking at what about you. That he's looking at your heart. And that I don't want Allah to see in my heart that which is displeasing to him. Tell you. Yes. I saw a brother over Yes. How, how do you protect your thoughts through that? Yes. You know that, or to appreciate that Allah SWT gives his heart for the sole purpose of worshiping. Allah Akbar. So to appreciate and to know, to know and appreciate that Allah SWT has given you this heart, to know him, to love him subhanahu wa ta'ala, to worship him. And therefore, because I know that, I'm not going to allow those seeds by, to be planted by shaitan in my heart. So there are other things. In one second, just on this point of thoughts. Just, just to add to something that Ibn al-Qayyim said, and it's, it's not actually an addition, but it, inshallah it's a clarification. Don't put yourself in environments where you are going to begin to think the evil thoughts. Uh, every person knows themselves. Every person knows themselves. You know that, well, alhamdulillah, when you're in the masjid, you have good thoughts, things are going well for you. You know that when you go to some other places, some people's houses, some whatever, that there are thoughts that come to you that are not good thoughts. Don't Put yourself in that position. Don't, uh, as they say, don't test your faith. Don't put yourself in a position where you are testing your faith. And that what? Let me see if I pass or not. That's not one of those ones that you want to see whether you pass or fail. So keep away from environments 
that stir your emotions a certain kind of way, that make you think a certain kind of way. It's very important. The second point, and this is, this is the last point, so the first one is protecting your thoughts. The second one is Siddiq at-ta'ahubi that you are truthful in preparation for your meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This will help you for istiqamah. When we talk about istiqamah, I said that you should think about a what? A path. Okay, perfect. That path ends with what? It ends... It ends with the hereafter. When you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Staying on that path requires that you protect your thoughts. The end of that path is that you will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being on the path. And be in the land, that will be the path of Jannah. So it, it actually makes sense that if you want to be mustaqeem, that you have to protect your thoughts. And that you have to prepare for what's at the end of that road. You have to prepare for death. Literally, truthful preparation. Anytime we know something is going to happen, in general, we prepare for that thing, whatever it might be. I'm going to dinner with someone, so I'm going to prepare. I'm going to wear whatever I'm going to wear. I'm thinking about these things. I'm going to hajj. I'm going to prepare. I learn about what I'm supposed to do when I make hajj. Uh, how long am I going to be there? I need to take enough outfits. We prepare for things that we know are going to happen. Siddiq at-ta'ahud That you truthfully prepare for the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says that this is from the most beneficial things that help a person achieve istiqamah. Why is that? Because a person that truly prepares for the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala انقطع قلبه عن الدنيا وخمدت من نفسه نيران شهوات At this point, a person's heart is detached from the dunya. Do we still have to live here in this dunya? We still need a house? We still need a job? Yeah. But where is all of that? It's, it's in your hand. It's not in your heart. The heart is detached from the dunya. And that preparation will extinguish the fires of passion that are inside it. Yani that is those passions that are for other than the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whatever shahawat that a person has inside of them and so forth, it's extinguished when you truly prepare for that meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that heart turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It wants Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His aspiration is to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To love him and to prefer pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over all things. And this is critical. And some of the scholars of Islam 
have said that a person can test themselves. When you are put in a position, one of them is pleasing to your nafs, and the other one is pleasing to Allah, and you can't do both, which one do you choose? And that is how you will be able to judge yourself. Do you really prefer to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or are you trying to please yourself? When a person gets there, to this level, where everything they do is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and, and you may want to pay attention a little bit here, because this is, this is deep. He says that this will bring about a new type of himmah, a new type of really striving and aspiring to be pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it will give you another level of of knowledge not, not in a esoteric sense but now you begin to experience what it really means to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not, it's not theory anymore it's not just something you read about but you experience it and subhanallah it's it's like a person who hears someone talk about marriage and then you actually get married there's it's two different things you know, hearing about it is not like actually seeing it is not actually being engaged in it. so there's the one concept where we read about it and then there's when you actually experience it is another level of, of knowledge another he says once again when you get to this level you may have only heard this I'm going to say it in English because people are like what? Muslim says that? when you get to this level you will be born again you will be born again. You heard of born again Christians. Ibn Qayyim is talking about born again Muslims. Huh? Well, it's it's even deeper than that. So he says, you will be born again. The heart at this birth to the hereafter will be like your body is to this world after it was in the heart after it was in the womb of its mother after your body was in the womb of your mother so the heart is actually born in this state when it gets to the point where it is truly attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and its only aspiration is pleasing Allah. It's coming, sorry. It's, this is not just the, from the fitrah. This is through striving and through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's gift. Al-fitrah, we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, and, but getting to this level is different. I mean, this is the level we're talking about of the, the, the prophets and the Siddiqeen and the Shuhada and the Salihin where they really reach the level 
where they cared about nothing except for pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's not easy. It's not easy. So I'm gonna get just just give it a second. Give it a second. So he says just the same way that your body was really born, right? It was covered by by the womb. And you were really born. The heart is covered by enough there's stages and that once a person is able to shed them by Allah's leave then the heart will be born إِنَّكُمْ لَنْ تَلْجَوْ مَلَكُوتَ السَّمَاءِ أَوْ تَجِدُوا أَوْ تَلِجُوا مَلَكُوتَ السَّمَاءِ حَتَّى تُولَدُوا مَرَّتَيْنِ He says, so the heart will be born and it will be baris. You know, be out in the open for the hereafter, the same way that this, that your body is born into this life. And this, he says, was the meaning of what is narrated that Isa said, O oh, children of Israel, you will not, uh, how do they say it in English? Uh, you will not taste, uh, it's not taste, I forget the word they use, subhanAllah, but anyway, that the meaning of it is that you will not find the kingdom, I think that's the word, that's how they say it. You will not find the kingdom of God until you are born again. It says this is the meaning of what is narrated on Isa in this. The, the point he says here, this is the point that I want us to, to focus on. Because I, I know that that's, that's a bit of a higher level. But truly preparing for that meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, truly know that eternity uh, is not something that we can fathom that no matter how long we live on this earth that we need to be preparing for real life that the hereafter is real life that preparing for that is what will allow one to remain upon a path of istiqam however I do want to mention this point inshallah ta'ala in closing Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala says because of the fact that the majority of people have not been born again, nor have they conceptualized, they haven't even fathomed the concept of being born again, fudlin and yusabdiqulia, or even get to the point, because conceptualizing is one thing, believing in it is another thing, right? That they even believe in it. He says, how can a grown man be born? Um, how, how can the heart be born? He says, because of the fact that people can't conceptualize or haven't conceptualized it, don't know people who have experienced it, then they have no aspiration to get to that level and no determination because they don't know it exists. Which is, which is subhanAllah, a phenomenal point. Phenomenal, you know, and and it's it's from the blessings of being around 
people who are more knowledgeable of being around people who are better worshipers of Allah subhanahu wa and all of that because you start to aspire to do things that you didn't even know like people still subhanAllah I remember uh, not too long ago in fact I, I heard someone young 14 or 15 say nobody prays at night anymore that's what they did at the time of the Sahaba he didn't understand that there's still people Muslims who pray at night every night they may not look like it subhanallah uh, I had a very good friend Allah older older brother he was in the 70s uh, in Medina you know if you looked at him he didn't have a beard he used to say I I, I make dua that Allah makes me strong enough to have a beard subhanallah I know for a fact the man prays every night in the last third of the night, prays five furud, all five salawat in the Prophet's message, even though he lived 20, 25 minutes away. SubhanAllah. And you look at him, it doesn't look like if, if If it has a look. If it has a look, that wouldn't be what you would expect, SubhanAllah. But SubhanAllah, and Alhamdulillah, Al Khair Baki fil Ummah, Wallah Alhamdulillah, he's still good in this Ummah, Wallah Alhamdulillah. But some people, because they've never experienced it or they haven't been around those kind of people, they don't aspire to it. And this is what Ibn Al-Qaim is talking about here. Because so many people have never experienced it or they don't know anybody that's experienced it, they don't even know it exists. That the heart can really get to a point where it really desires nothing except for the please Allah, except the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then they don't aspire for it. They don't have any determination to get there. It How can somebody be determined to do something that they don't even know exists and they don't believe in? So he says, This is the last thing I wanted to read from here. He says, But if the hijab of ghafla, heedlessness and neglect, is removed, from the heart, then that person, he will believe in it and he will know that his heart has not yet been born. And so, as we strive for this path of istiqamah, so much, I mean, this is our deen, right? And this is what we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. So, there's so much that can be said about this topic of istiqamah, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, this won't be the last opportunity that you hear about al-istiqamah, that there will be other people that approach it from different angles, but this is our guide. This is what we're asking for, adina sirat al-mustaqim, a guide us to the straight path. And this is what we're asking Allah for when we're saying, ya muqalib al-kulub, thabbit kulubana ala deenik. And we're saying, rabbana la tuzik kulubana ba'adil hadaytana, wa habnana min ladunka rahman. All of these du'as that we're, we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for istiqamah. Understanding that it's a path and that it ends and that it ends with that meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be one of those things that will help us conceptualize what is necessary for istiqamah as we ask Allah to make us upon his sirat al-mustaqeen if there are any questions I'll take them now inshallah Fadl Shaykh at last point you made isn't that you know, doesn't that make it it makes more sense that hide in the ideas Heart. It's not just limited to the bad or evil ideas, but you can also entertain uh, the good ones that will take you closer to Allah.
Correct. Well, yeah, alhamdulillah. Good. I'm glad you mentioned that point. So guarding the thoughts, though, if, if I'm protecting, I'm protecting from those things that I don't want. Right? I mean, just think about protection. We have, alhamdulillah, we have protection outside the masjid. Right? That doesn't mean the Muslims can't come in. People that just want to pray, they're trying to keep people that don't want good from coming in, right? I mean, that's normally what the what a guard is going to do. So the, just because we're guarding our thoughts, it means that we want to keep the bad ones out and we want to let the good thoughts come in. We definitely want to entertain good thoughts. And in fact, you know, the Prophet from Allah's infinite mercy is that we get rewarded for good thoughts, even if we didn't do anything. It's from Allah's mercy. Man hamma bi hasana. And you have the the thought. It, it stuck in your mind. It wasn't just a, a fleeting thought, right? There was a hum. Man hamma bi hasana. But you didn't do it. You still get the reward. It's still written as if you did a good deed. So yes, definitely. We want to entertain those good thoughts. We want those good thoughts to grow. Yeah. Anything else? Father in the back, uh, in the back first, inshallah. Uh, he said. He, he said, if if the kushifa hijab al ghaflati an al qalb, sadaqa bidarik wa alim an qalbahu lam yulad baad. So once that heedlessness is removed from the heart, or or the he says hijab al ghafla, which is the uh, the the barrier of negligence and heedlessness and so forth, apathy maybe even, right? Once that's removed from the heart. Uh, then, then the person will believe. He, he will believe that there's his heart can be born, and he will know that his heart has not yet been been born. Now, yeah. He actually asked the same question. Oh, alhamdulillah. Now, barakallahu fiqum subhanakallahu alhamdulillah. I'm sorry. Do the sisters have any questions? Yes. Yeah. So, right, so, so Ibn al-Qayyim he, he's mentioning here that knowing prior to that evil, evil thoughts lead to evil actions which lead to regret. I mean, that, that's the nature of the human being who still has something, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has favored to still have some connection with him. That when they've done something wrong, they feel like they've done something wrong. And that is healthy. That's healthy because it allows you to make tawbah. Uh, any medical doctors here? Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe you have enough knowledge of medicine to help me on this point here. Um, if somebody is beginning to get sick, maybe there's a growth where there shouldn't be growth inside the body. Is it better that they feel it or they don't feel it? It's better that they feel it because then you can then you can treat it before it becomes it gets out of hand and it becomes something that that, that is actually dangerous and, and, and harmful and so forth and, and it's similar for 
when somebody does something that is displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they feel something inside of themselves because if they don't they're going to continue in that path the fact that they feel regret is actually good and that's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa that that feeling regret is actually toba because once you feel that regret that should lead to you leaving it off because you don't want to keep doing something that you feel remorseful about and it should lead to firm determination that you will not go back to doing that thing which is those are the conditions of a, a toba so his his point here was that I, part of the way that I'm encouraged to keep these thoughts out of my mind is that I know that they lead to actions that I will then regret. It, it doesn't mean that a person is going to be perfect. Uh, in fact, Allah said to the Prophet Allah says in the Quran, Yani be upright and and seek forgiveness. What's the relationship between istiqamah and istighfar? Anybody? No? What's the relationship between istiqamah and istighfar? That as you try to be mustaqim and you try to travel that path of istiqamah, you are going to slip sometimes. It's the nature of human beings. There's going to be some, and not all slippage is created equal, by the way. It's not an excuse, you know, to commit major sins. Oh, we all make mistakes. Not all mistakes are the same. So, uh, the point, though, is that uh, Allah Azawajal, in, in commanding us with istiqamah, also commands us with istighfar. And it's similar to the statement of the Prophet Wasallam, where he says, Ittaqillah ma kunt, Fear Allah, wherever you may be. Follow up a bad deed with a good deed and it will erase it. What's the relationship between a bad deed, good deed, and taqwa? As you try to have taqwa wherever you are, there's going to be some shortcomings. So when you have a shortcoming, follow it up with a with a good deed and it will erase it. And there's always hope. There's always hope, alhamdulillah. Now, No, negative thoughts are not written down as a sin. <laughs> What's written down as a sin is the person who has an azima to do something that is negative. So a person who has not just the mere intention, but they, they're determined to do that negative thing. Even if they don't do it, it's written as if they've done it. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I mean the Prophet والسلام, when he say the iltaqa muslimani bi sayfayhima bi sayfayhima the two Muslims come together with their swords unsheathed then the killer and the killed the murderer and the one who and the victim if you will are in the hellfire they say, okay, we understand about the murderer, but what about the one who was killed? What about the one what about the victim? The Prophet said, Can a Harisan 
He was determined to kill his companion. The only thing that stopped him was what? He got killed first. But this is more than just the evil thought. He, he didn't just think about it. He actually grabbed the sword and you know went out. So Al Azim Yunazal Mazilat al Sharia. And the one who is determined to do something from a legislative standpoint is given the same ruling in terms of what's written with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the one who has done the action. Uh, and inshallah we'll discuss more of that uh, when we deal with our class on Ubudi inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Subhanakallah wa hamdika ashadu wa la ilaha ilaha anta astaghfiru wa atubu wa so, so just as a quick reminder, uh, the al class will be tomorrow, inshallah, 8.30, inshallah, registration will take place. We will also be providing babysitting for those who uh, also want to attend with children, inshallah. So everyone is welcome, inshallah. Jazakallah, we'll and hope to see you tomorrow, inshallah.